Hola and buenos tardes, where I'm coming to you live from Marina Vallarta in the state of Jalisco, Mexico. And Marina Vallarta, in case you're wondering, is right next door and just a little bit north of Puerto Vallarta. Um, and today is Tuesday, April 20th, or Monday, I'm sorry, April 20th of the year 2020. It's important to get the date right for a few reasons. Number one, there's a lot of 20s today. Lots of 20s happening. Number two, it is difficult some days to get the day of the week right. And I'm not the only one. And I know that because on one of the new shows in the States, they actually will announce from time to time, like today is Monday, um, because you know, your life can take on a certain sameness if you are staying home. And of course, all non-essential people should be staying home. And I have been waiting for this moment my whole life because nobody has been more non-essential than me. My life has been a celebration of the non-essential. And so staying home because I'm non-essential, I view it as my reward for being non-essential all these years. Um, and the, I don't feel sorry for the people that are staying home because what did I hear my whole working life from just about everybody I knew and even people I didn't know? Oh, I wish I could have stayed home today. Oh, I wish I could have stayed home. I guess we really didn't mean we wanted to stay home. I guess what we meant was I wish I didn't have to go to work today, and there's a big difference. But, and I don't want to get into some, I know this is like always so controversial because everything is politics now, even um, the Black Death, which I'm not saying this is the Black Death, um, but if things had been like the same as they are now around the time of the Black Death, there would have been like marchers being like marching against people staying home over the Black Death. Um, but there are people who are considered essential, who are essential, and they have to go to work. They don't have the luxury of staying home. So for those of us that have the luxury of staying home and ordering in pizza and watching Netflix, I just don't think there's a lot of room for complaining there. Having said that, you're going to complain plenty once you hear the podcast, because you'll be like, why did I waste a half an hour of my staying home time listening to that crap. But I'm moving on now from the topic of quarantine, uh, because it's so controversial, apparently, um, to what my life is like here in Vallarta with my dog that I found a few months ago, Shyla, in Sayulita, the town basically next door, sort of, like an hour away. Anyway, um, I have this, there's been a long gap between podcasts, and the reason for that is I really didn't have anything new to say about mistakes I was making, only because, believe me, I could make a gazillion more mistakes, and I will as soon as the quarantine is over, because we have to stay home too. I am just as non-essential in Puerto Va- or Marina Vallarta as I was in Chicago. So unless you're essential, you know, you got to stay home and you've got to wear a mask if you want to get into the store, like the grocery store, you got to get your temperature taken. So the rules here, uh, at least here in the state of Jalisco, 
as to what to do during the quarantine are very strict, just as strict, if not more so, than they are in the States. Because apparently, as of today, if you are seen walking outside without a mask, the police will fine you. And nobody seems to know what the fine is. So it might be up to the policeman. I don't know. I, I have not gotten nailed down what the fine would be. But, you know, it's, uh, you gotta wear, we gotta wear masks here and you can't, you can't get into any place now unless you are wearing a mask. So it's really not a question of choice. Anyway, um, so I, I felt like because I have been staying home so much that I didn't really have anything new to say about mistakes because I haven't had the opportunity to make them. Um, and so I kind of held off on another podcast because I thought, well, what can I tell people about a, a mistake I made? Um, I didn't make my bed tight enough or um, I said something cooked too long in the microwave. Uh, you know, these would be the same mistakes I'd make in Chicago. They would not be unique to Mexico. So it took me a while to sort of figure out what to tell you. And after you listen to this, you'll be like, I can't believe uh, it took this long to listen to this nonsense or to come up with this nonsense. But uh, it, I do have a few things to tell you about what life is like here uh, during this time of quarantine. So people seem to take it very seriously here. And, you know, unlike the States where there's a lot of things wrong, but there are some important and critical safety nets in the states that I just don't see any evidence of here for people. So this is a tourist town and there are no tourists. Uh, it's, you know, tragic. And there are no cruise ships coming in. The casinos were closed, have been closed for a, a, at least a month now. Um, the Malacon is pretty closed. I mean, there's still, you can get food to go from restaurants and you can get food delivered through Uber Eats. But, you know, nobody's hanging out in restaurants. Uh, the beaches are closed, and they're very seriously enforcing that offer, and from, or that rule, rather. And from time to time, roads are closed. Anyone can get out, but no one's getting in. Um, so it's like, for example, last week was the holiest week of the year in Mexico, Semana Santa, Holy Week. I should say the week before um, last. And it's the week that precedes Easter. So you know how if you're at a Cubs game, you think the last two words to the national anthem are play ball? Um, because that's really all that goes on in the national anthem is that people can't wait to get to the last two words, play ball. Um, I, I'm bringing that up because here, even though Mexico seems to be a pretty religious country, the whole thing of Holy Week, the week leading up to the biggest day of the year uh, for, uh, for, the Christ for Christians, um, and the holiest day of the year, and the cornerstone of the whole faith, as far as I can tell, um, really, it's, what Semana Santa means here is this. Close up shop, close up your house, and go to the beach. Get you to the beaches. Because I was warned a number of times before I said I was moving here 
make sure you have a place to stay during Holy Week because every place is booked out. The beaches are absolutely mobbed and there's no hotels available anywhere on either coast. It's like on Seinfeld when Jerry wanted to buy a place in Tuscany and the maestro was like, no, there is nothing for sale in Tuscany, nothing. Um, or it might have been Mr. Costanza. No, Mr. Costanza had a cousin in Tuscany, but the maestro told Jerry, no, there is nothing for sale in Tuscany. It's like what happens here during Holy Week in hotels. No, there are no hotels available because it's Holy Week. Um, everybody's at the beach. So having said that, of course, um, that did not play out this year. The hotels are almost all closed and there is no one here except me. It's like a Twilight Zone episode set in Marina Vallarta. There are times I could walk through and across an entire golf course and not see a single soul. And that's mainly because the golf courses are actually closed in terms of you can't play golf, um, but they're just kind of open as like a park area, although I'm not sure if that's, that's just my interpretation of the law of the golf course in Marina Vallarta. It still might be trespassing, but I feel like with no golfers, who will complain? Um, but you got to be careful when you're in the golf courses in Vallarta because there are beautiful and delightful looking ponds. But if you look closely, there's alligators or crocodiles in there. And I say alligators or crocodiles because my entire life, I have never known the difference. And I really think it's the same animal or reptile or whatever it's supposed to be. But it's just that some scientists wanted to have, like, you know, another title. And so they decided, like, oh, like, we're going to say half of these guys are crocodiles and the other half we'll call alligators. And then our entire careers will be built on explaining the differences between alligators and crocodiles, even though there are none. And yet people, when we explain the diff, the fake difference, well, not fake, but the difference between the alligator and the crocodile, the non-existent difference. I hate the word fake now. I hate it. Um, the non-existent difference between alligators and crocodiles. People will nod as if they understand, but yet there really is no difference. They're the same friggin' reptile. Um, but so whatever it is that's lurking in those ponds is something that I feel that could come out and attack me at any moment. But I am told that I am actually faster than the alligator slash crocodile. I don't know if that's true, and I have no intention of testing it. So on our walks through the golf course, we don't go near the ponds in any event. And when I say we, of course, I mean Shyla and myself, because if you think I'm just strolling around through a golf course by myself with no chance of meeting a golfer, um, you're kidding yourself. So in any event, getting back to life in Vallarta, uh, during this time of coronavirus and quarantine. Uh, you know, there's a couple of things open. Grocery stores are open. Pharmacies uh, are open. Gas stations are open. The 7-Eleven, the OXO, like the essentials. Um, they're all open. But everything else is closed. The shops are closed. Uh, anything you can imagine. Banks are kind of open, but they're on limited hours, and these are all small branch banks near me. Uh, and there's signs that, you know, I don't think more than four or five people are allowed 
in the bank at a time. So you always see lines outside of the bank, which would could create a feeling of panic, like, ah, there's a run on the bank. But it's really not a run on the bank. It's just that there's, you know, four people in the bank, and that's as many people as the bank can tolerate. Um, there's a McDonald's in the strip mall near me, still open, has not closed one day, um, and they have a big outdoor seating area, and you do see people, a few people sitting in there, but, you know, McDonald's uh, will survive the coronavirus, uh, and I, I've i only gone in there once for coffee, um, and it's it's like... A, the menu is, of course, similar in some respects to American menus, but then there's some funny things on the menu that I remember thinking, oh, I should tell people about these, but I, I then I forgot. So next time I'll go in and I'll write it down and give you a rundown of what's on the menu at the McDonald's in the strip mall in Marina Vallarta, which is huge, by the way. Um, and there's like a playground in front of there. It's just like the McDonald's in anywhere, I suppose. Anyway, so my life with my dog, of course, is, you know, completely different than what my life was before the dog. Uh, I have to wake up really early to walk her because it gets really hot and humid uh, later in the morning. So we get up early and now with the change in time, it's like nighttime until about a quarter to eight in the morning. And I'm not making that up. I don't think it was nighttime in Chicago till a quarter to eight in the morning. Um, because if that was the case, I would have been even later to work than I was every day. But here, it's really literally like pitch black until about a quarter to eight. And then by like 10, it's like, oh, the sun is unbearable. A lot happens in those first two hours in the morning. And those are the hours that we are out walking. Now, I guess this is a small community, and I suppose we have, Shyla and I have, a certain amount of notoriety because apparently we are seen by many people on our daily struggle to cross the gigantic boulevard that is like a total of 16 lanes, eight lanes in one direction, eight lanes in another direction, medians splitting off segments of the lanes. There's a thing here. You do not make a left-hand turn, for example, um, from the left lane. Absolutely not. What you do is you get into the right lane of the center lane, and then you have to merge into the next set of lanes going that direction, and then you can make a left turn from those lanes. It might be the screwiest thing I've ever seen. And while I will never drive here, crossing that street is the most confusing and death-defying act I do, I believe, four times a day. And that's because our walk, everything good is kind of on the other side of that boulevard. The mall, um, the coffee place, the park I walk around to get to the marina, it's all happening on the other side of Gustavo Medina. But crossing Gustavo Medina, and I'm sorry, but I'm, it's a mind fuck. And so there, and there's a cab stand there. And I learned today that we are the talk of the cab stand, which tells you they really have nothing to talk about. 
that tells you really how boring everything has become in a way with quarantine because nobody goes anywhere. Nobody has anything to say. There's no great stories like, hey, you know what? I was on the L going downtown and blah, 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 blah. No. Right now, those days aren't happening. And if you hear some noise behind me, it's because I'm broadcasting this outside. Um, or I'm recording it outside. So anyway, so what happens today is this. I took Shyla to daycare because I do take her to daycare three days a week. And I wish I had the money to take her eight days a week for two reasons. Number one, she has a great time there. It's a big open field that's fenced in, of course, um, but it's there's other dogs there and she can run around and be crazy because there's nothing she likes better than running around and acting crazy. And she can do it with other dogs. And then uh, in the middle of the day, they take the dogs for a walk by the river and there's horses. And she actually has like a better life than I do. Um, they have this great walk by the river and there's horses and a lot of wildlife. Of course, I consider horses part of wildlife. Um, but anyway, uh, and uh, she really has a wonderful time. She has a lot of friends there. And uh, she comes home, and this is the best part. She comes home, I feed her, and she's so exhausted. She goes right into the bedroom, jumps on the bed, doesn't even want to talk to me, doesn't want to talk about her day, doesn't want to relive it, doesn't want to tell the stories from school, doesn't want to say who she got mad at, doesn't want to say who her new best friend is, doesn't want to talk. She eats like she's going to the electric chair, and then she jumps into bed and passes out so that I can then watch something on TV and not feel guilty. Because when she's here with me, um, I take her for a super long walk in the morning, like almost five miles. But, you know, a couple of hours later, after she eats and takes a bit of a nap, she's ready to go. And so I feel guilty because, you know, she doesn't really have to go out. And I will take her later in the day. But it's like I'm not going to really play with her or anything because I have things I need to do. Um, for example, check you know my Instagram account 30 times a day. Um, but And look in the refrigerator and see if anything new has turned up. But uh, seriously, you know, I feel a little guilty in the afternoon with her making those big moo eyes at me. Um, and, uh, you know, and even if I did play with her, and I do sometimes... Uh, it's not like the kind of play she wants, which is with other dogs. So uh, it's it's great. She comes home, she's in a coma. She eats and she goes right into a coma until the next morning. And it's, it's worth every penny. Uh, but anyway, so today I had taken her to daycare. Then the cab driver dropped me off at the mall across uh, this, the big street, the street that's so hard to cross. Uh, because I wanted to get a coffee and I needed a couple things from the grocery store. And I had my mask. So I was, as we say in Mexico, listo. Um, and as I crossed the street, uh, and or I'm sorry, as I got out of the cab, by the cab stand, there were three or four cab drivers standing around talking. And all of a sudden I heard one of them say in English, hey, where's your dog? And I stopped, and I was like, are you talking to me? And he said, yes, where's your dog? And I said, you know, I've been in Mexico now off and on, well, almost a year, about 11 months. And I don't think anyone in Mexico has been like, hey, 
where's Karen? But the cab drivers on Gustavo Medina, in front of the Mega, in front of the Comercial, they want to know where Shyla is. She has more friends than I do in Mexico. There's some boys that ride bikes around here, and I've met them, and, you know, they played with her a little bit, and so when I see them and I'm with her, they're always like, hi, Shyla, and if I'm not with her, they're like, where's Shyla? Uh, that really could be the, sub, the top, I'm sorry, the title of my autobiography in Mexico. I would call it Where's Shyla? Because everybody always wants to know where Shyla is. And, you know, she's like the belle of the ball. I'll tell you something else about that dog. She has three men in her life. Bernardo, Flaquito, and Chip. If I was to write and biography of Shyla, I would call it Gustavo, Flaquito, and Chip. I'm sorry, Bernardo, Flaquito, and Chip. Bernardo is the cab driver that I've hired to pick us up and take us to daycare and then bring us home from daycare at the end of the day. Uh, and on most days, he's able to do that. And she knows him. She knows when he calls me. As soon as he calls me to tell me he's here, she jumps up. She starts crying because I'm not moving fast enough. She loves him. Uh, she would probably abandon me in a heartbeat for Bernardo. And also because he has a yellow and white cab, she thinks now every cab is Bernardo and tries to get into just about every cab we see because she's like, listo, I'm ready, let's go, vamonos. Um, Flaquito is her one of two boyfriends at the dog daycare. And I'm not kidding. I've seen video of her running up to Flaquito and kissing him. And she runs up to him as soon as she gets there. He barks as soon as she's coming in. He starts barking for her. He's like a big old hound dog. But they run around and play and she can outrun him any day of the week. She jumps over fences. I mean, she's she's heavy and she's strong, but she's super light on her feet. And I think I've created a monster um, because she can scale a fence. But boy, when she knows we're near the dog training place, as soon as we turn down off of the boulevard to go down the road to get there, it's like a battle to keep her in the car, uh, which leads me to the idea she does need more training because <laughs> she's a handful. But anyway, but she loves going there because her boyfriend Flaquito is there. But like a telenovela, there is someone else vying for her affection. And that dog is Chip. Chip is one of the owner's dogs. And Chip is very calm and cool. And if I ever saw a dog that could just smoke and wear sunglasses and hang out, that dog is Chip. Nothing riles Chip. And Chip now waits for Shyla every morning in front of the door. And because he's the owner's dog, he's trusted to be outside of the place. He doesn't go anywhere. Um, and so Chip, actually Bernardo, the cab driver, says Chip is like the concierge. But um, he's more like a doorman. Like we get there and there's Chip waiting for Shyla. And Shyla gives him a kiss, but then as soon as she goes in, she runs, runs to Flaquito. So her days are filled with Bernardo, Flaquito, and Chip. And my days are filled with feeding her, walking her, buying her 
snacks, buying her dog food. They revolve around her, listening to her whine when I won't play, her wiling more treats out of me, like she'll agree to get on the bed and leave me alone for a treat, but then 10 minutes later she acts like, I never said I'd agree for a long time, and is off that bed and bugging me. So Shaila has clearly landed the better deal here in Vallarta. Um, and it's a good thing that I'm not able to spend money on getting my roots done, cutting my hair, getting my eyebrows done, uh, every a manicure, a pedicure. These are not luxuries. These, I don't want to know what I really look like, and neither does anybody else. But I had to dye my own roots, which I don't mind the work. It's just that I ended up, because the dye was black, I ended up with a lot of black freckles on my face, also known as hair dye. Um, And I tried to pass them off as freckles until I got rid of them. My sister told me something interesting. She used to be a shampoo girl way back in the day when you could still smoke in beauty shops, which was when our mother took us to the beauty shop and we had to sit on the floor and play a game while all these women smoked. And we were in the midst of cigarette fumes and peroxide fumes, and we had a great time, but those were the days. And I'm surprised we weren't smoking too, but we might have been like under the age of 10. Anyway, but my sister, who was a shampoo girl, said they used to use ashes to get uh, hair dye uh, that had stained faces. So there's like a good tip. For anybody who's doing an at-home dye and uh, trying to get the dye off their face, use ashes because I don't think anybody has in their house, unless they're a beautician, nobody's got a bottle of that stuff they use at the uh, salon to get the dye off your face. So light a cigarette. My advice to you is smoke it uh, and then uh, use the ashes to get the dye off your face. And that's my helpful hint uh, today. So I, you know, I'm doing my own roots. I actually cut the ends of my own hair, but I had to. And it's because when I was in Sayulita in February, I got a haircut. That was my last haircut. If I would have known what was coming, I wouldn't have gotten this particular haircut and I wouldn't have gotten a gel manicure that is going to haunt me until it finally grows off my nails because it won't, it's, I can't get rid of it. Um, So I just keep trimming my nails, trimming my nails. And I'm not kidding when I say at this point, they're blue on the top and my own color on the bottom. But to get back to the disaster that's my hair, I got a certain kind of a haircut where it's sort of like a bob, but of course, you know, it was meant to be very stylish. So it's long in the front and short in the back. And then it's silver on the bottom and black on the top. I don't know where I thought I was going with that cut and color combination, but I loved it. Made me happy. And then quarantine set in. And then couldn't go to a beauty shop. And then what was longer in the front and was also silver was just getting more gray and getting longer. And it looked like I had silver mutton chops on my face. 
I looked like George C. Scott in the movie Scrooged. I had to cut the front. I didn't touch the back only because I couldn't see it. I thought that might be a little risky. But I took the sides of my hair, I twisted them up, and I cut them. And then I did the other side. And then I saw one side was shorter than the other side. So then I tried to even them out. And let's just say this. When this fucking quarantine is over, I'm not, the first place I'm going to is not a restaurant. I don't care about restaurants. I care about getting this hair fixed, about getting my roots done, about getting this blue nail polish off my nails. I am never getting a gel manicure again because I have seen what happens when there is a disaster and you can't get blue nail polish off your nails. I know far more serious things have happened in this time. And I'm lucky that so far, this is my biggest complaint. But I don't know how much longer I can bear the tops of my nails being blue, the bottom of my nails being white, my, the sides of my hair being uneven, the gray extensions now a hideous sort of a dirty blonde. It's all got to go. It's all got to go. But I'm lucky. I know I'm lucky because these are my biggest complaints. Um, and I'll just say this as for my closing thought. I think it's a good idea, like I have heard and read from so many people, to have kind of a COVID-19 safety kit, just in case, God forbid a million times, you get it. Here's what's in mine, because in the state of Jalisco, you can buy anything you want at a pharmacy without a doctor's prescription. So I've got Tylenol with codeine, I've got cough syrup with codeine, and I've got Valium. And then, of course, some Tylenol and cough drops. Because if something happens here, I at least will be calm and I'll get plenty of sleep. And those are my goals. Um, and so I may not be able to find hand wipes for my hands. I may not be able to find, well, I've got hand sanitizer now. But, you know, those things are tough to come by. But I, can, I have a safety kit that means the world to me because it has every tranquilizer, not every, but it has tranquilizers, sleeping pills, and cough syrup with codeine. So if anything worse happens, I'll put it this way, if anything worse happens, I'm set. Um, oh, and a thermometer and a pulse oximeter, which everybody should probably get a pulse oximeter, and here's why. First of all, it costs like $35. Second of all, it would give you huge peace of mind because you would never have to lay at night wondering, can I breathe? Can I breathe? Am I able to breathe? And then work yourself up into such a panic, you can't breathe. Now, that might only be me, but I don't think it is. Um, so you can buy the thing they clip on your finger at the doctor's office to tell you how much oxygen you have in your blood. I have no idea how that thing does it because it's just a piece of plastic on your finger. But somehow it knows how much, much oxygen you have. And I bought one from the Walmart here, and it comes with a lanyard. And sometimes I just like to wear it around my neck and pretend I'm a doctor. 
because what the heck? I can't go anywhere anyway. So why can't I pretend to be a doctor? Um, and it's I. But I feel like if I ever felt like, oh, am I having a hard time breathing? Am I getting enough oxygen? I wouldn't have to rely on my own frantic brain to try to figure that out. There would be empirical evidence of exactly how much oxygen I have. Um, and I don't think that's such a bad thing. So, and plus when Chris Cuomo got coronavirus, he said to get one. And I, if I wasn't a fan of the Cuomo brothers before, which I totally was, but I am, but now of course, you know, they're rock stars. Um, so in any event, I hope everybody stays safe. I hope you've enjoyed this special coronavirus edition of my podcast. And I hope that on the next podcast, I have some new mistakes to tell you about and that none of those mistakes involve a combination of prescribing myself uh, different tranquilizers because uh, that would be a huge mistake. Um, But I do want to get back out, make more mistakes. I want everybody to get back out. Um, But I know we can't until, you know, feel more safe, comfortable. So in the meantime, I'll make whatever mistakes I can make here, but there really aren't a lot to be made until I can get back out. And uh, maybe it is a mistake being jealous of my dog, but at this point, I'm going belly up, just like she does 100,000 times a day. I'm totally jealous of her uh, and all the questions. Where's Shyla? Where's Shyla? So it's, um, that's my, maybe my mistake. Nah, it was never a mistake to take that dog in. Um, okay, stay healthy, stay well. See you next time. Hasta luego. Gracias.